if you would, take a Bible and turn to Proverbs chapter 22. If you're using the Pew Bible, it's on page 464. Just got back from a week uh, in South Carolina, uh, visiting family, and um, appreciate all of you who asked and prayed. I was able to be with my dad uh, as he had hip replacement surgery, and it went well, and he's home and on the mend. And last Sunday, I was at Airwood Baptist Church, which most of you have never heard of, but that's where I grew up. And it was so encouraging to be with people who, who raised me and taught me lessons of faith, and so... Just so grateful for that community of faith and for a chance to be there and many other things. So thankful for our staff that did such a wonderful job. Joel, thank you for your faithfulness in preaching. Amy led a funeral while I was away. Um, And it's just so helpful as a minister to have such a capable staff to allow things like that to happen. So thanks to all of you. I appreciate you a lot. I will say, Matt and Sarah, I'd like for you today to say Wayne Splon and see if Abby goes thumbs up or thumbs down. <laughs> I was a bit nervous that Sherry might try that. But, you know, Abby was not on the fence about anybody. Proverbs 22, verse 1. A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be God. Have you ever had buyer's remorse? Any of you ever had buyer's remorse? Where you traded some amount of money for something or experience, and you walked away and you said, what in the world did I do that for? Uh, it could have been when you were a kid, maybe you played arcade games all day, and you had this long stack of tickets and you went up to the counter and you traded it for a balloon or something you know and you got home you're like man this isn't quite what I thought it would be or maybe when you got older you um, traded some amount of money for a baseball bat or for an iPhone or some Nintendo gaming system whatever it was and you traded your money for that and then you got it and you thought well I wish I could have the money back Or maybe you got older and uh, you traded some amount of money for a house or a car or some other thing that you thought would satisfy the desires of your heart and you got it and then you thought, well, life's still pretty much like it was, except I got less money now and I got this thing. The book of Proverbs is, at least in part, intended to help us not make foolish decisions. It's intended, at least in part, to help us understand how the world generally works, not promises, but proverbs, and to then be able to navigate our lives in such a way that we, that we make less foolish decisions along the way, we make less foolish trade-offs along the way, and we feel less remorse and regret for the things that we've done and the decisions that we've made. And and when you read the book of Proverbs, I think it's important to, to differentiate between our understanding of what makes us righteous before the Lord through faith in Christ, and then to distinguish that from 
God giving us this roadmap so graciously and so generously trying to guide us through this life in ways that you and I might, might experience abundant life that he would have for us to know. I think sometimes in our attempts to focus on eternal salvation and heaven and the promises of all that comes after this life that we don't focus enough on the importance of this life. This life. And and God gives you the gift of this life, and He so kindly wants to help us navigate it and go with the grain, so to speak, and not to go against the grain. Proverbs 22 1 A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. Did any of you feel nervous as you were, uh, like me, listening to Sharon talk about all those different people and we try to put them in the good part or the bad part? If you're like me, you think, well, it's it's complicated. Then on which day you catch me. (laughs) Sometimes good, sometimes bad. But you and I understand that, that our names take on meaning not just because we were named after someone or not because it was a family name or not because it was a biblical name, but over time our names take on meaning because of the decisions that we make and because of the overall trajectory of our lives. You may have been given a name that you love. You may have been given a name that you think, oh, what the best name ever. Or you may have been given a name that you really don't like at all. You might have been born into a family, perhaps, that doesn't have the best name. And you walk through life thinking, how can I take this name I've been given and and make it something that's honorable, perhaps? Now, I'm going to take you back to Exodus chapter 3. So we're going to to move through the Bible a little bit today. Feel free to follow along with me if you'd like or to just listen. In Exodus chapter 3, there's this interesting episode that Moses has with the Lord. Do you remember this? There's a story of the burning bush. And the Lord comes to Moses and he says, here's what I want you to do, Moses. I want you to go back and lead my people out of slavery in Egypt. And do you remember the question that he asked that was really pivotal? Who should I say sent me? When they ask, who is this God who sent you to us, what do I say? Look at Exodus 3, 13. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask him, what is his name, what shall I say to them? Seems like a reasonable question. And then the Lord answers it in a really interesting way. God said to Moses, I am who I am. could also be translated, I will be who I will be. So in effect, the Lord is telling Moses, tell them that they're going to understand who I am as they see me at work, delivering them from bondage and slavery in Egypt. I am the God of their fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So it roots his nature or his name and history and what he had done for his people. But really, the Lord is going to show them who he is by the acts and the works that he does 
on behalf of his people. And a similar principle happens for you and me. We're given a name at birth, but that name could be someone else's name. Just this last week, it occurred to me that I know two Will Davises. One of them has just been born. The other of them has been born a while. Same name, but their names are going to have meaning not by just the, the letters and the combinations given to them, but as they live their lives, as they show who they are through their actions, that name then has meaning. And the same is true for you and for me. I'm sure that there's another Wayne Splawn in the world, though Though Splawn is a little bit less common, perhaps. There might be another one out there. But you, and, you all develop your understanding of who I am and the meaning of my name by watching me live my life. And the same is true for, for you. Now, if you fast forward some in the book of Exodus, there's this really interesting interchange between Moses and the Lord. After the Lord has shown himself who he is to Pharaoh, you might mention in that story, Pharaoh said, I don't even know who this Lord is. Well, he found out. And they get out in the wilderness and the people rebel. And the people decide that they're going to worship a golden calf to the Lord. And the Lord decides that he is going to start over with Moses and just wipe off face of the earth these people that he has saved. And there's this really fascinating way in which Moses intercedes on behalf of the people. And he prays for them, and he he appeals to the Lord to act in a way that would make his name more revered and more great in Egypt. Exodus 32, verse 11. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand, Why should the Egyptians say with evil intent that he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven. I thought it was interesting this week as I was thinking about this idea of the importance of a name. That even Moses intercedes on behalf of the people and appeals to the Lord to act in a way that's consistent with his nature and so that others would think well of him. Did you hear that? He said, don't bring them out here and then destroy them in the wilderness. What would the Egyptians think? Act in a way that displays your steadfast covenant love, your faithfulness to your people. And the Lord relented. And he acted in a way that was consistent with his character that allowed him to increasingly be glorified on the earth. One last, one last thing, Exodus 34. Moses asked if he could see the, the Lord's glory pass before him. And the Lord said, you can't see my face, but I'll, I'll pass by. And I'll make myself known to you. Exodus 34, beginning in verse 5. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger 
and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children and the children's children, even to the third and the fourth generation. Did you, did you see how the Lord proclaimed his name by describing the characteristics that he has in himself? And really, all of the Bible following this is an exposition of the name of the Lord. That he continues to be faithful and steadfast love to his people when he should have turned and gone the other way. He continues time and time again to forgive them of their sins, to be faithful to them, even when they're not faithful to him. And through all of this, the Lord gets glory for his name and you and I have a better understanding of who God is as we watch him at work in the world. And here's the thing. The same thing is true for you and for me. Imagine, again, going back to Sharon's children's sermon, if Sharon had said your name. What would the kids have said? And why does it matter? Why does it matter? Now, here's the thing. There is a real-world kind of real practical application of this truth. And in Proverbs, it's very earthy sometimes. But as you build a good name in the community, generally speaking, life goes easier for you. Generally speaking. In business, You've seen this to be true, I'm sure. But as you develop a good name and a good reputation, opportunities are opened up for you to live into that. And I think the Bible's okay with us walking away with a very earthy way to apply this to our lives. But there are these moments where you and I are faced with a decision of whether or not we're going to take matters into our own hands and go a different way, or we're going to remain faithful to the Lord. And so many times, the value of our name is at stake. And it could be money, or it could be popularity or fame, or it could be some other thing that when you and I get in that moment, we have to decide if we're going to give, give away the value of our name to gather or to acquire what's before us. And so the writer of Proverbs is pleading with us. In those moments where you're tempted to make a wrong step, in those moments where you're tempted to do things that you know aren't right, in an effort to get ahead or get along or get by, right of Proverbs says, don't do it. That what you are going to give in exchange for whatever it is that your heart desires in that moment is far greater than what you will receive. It's far greater. And you will feel more remorse and more guilt than you ever felt for trading an amount of money for some thing that wasn't worth it. So the writer of Proverbs pleads with us 
to understand how the world works and to value our name above other things that we might get in the short term and to live into that. Now, where is the gospel hope in this? Where's the gospel hope in this? Because I got to tell you, as um, I was thinking about my own name this week, even as late as last night, I laid there beside Mary in the bed and said, I hope I have a good name. And it might depend on who you ask, what season of life they saw me in, whether it was a good day or whether it was a bad day. And the gospel hope in this is that no matter what you've done, or no matter what you haven't done, no matter what decision that you may have made at some point along the way to tarnish your name, that the Lord is gracious and merciful by his, by his goodness and his steadfast love that he showed to his people all throughout the scriptures and all throughout history to redeem us and use us for his glory in spite of the things that we've done. Here's an example. Saul. You giving Saul a thumbs up or a thumbs down? The, not the king, but the one in the New Testament that we used to also call Paul. How are you going to qualify him? Well, depends. There were those days when he killed people. There were those days when he persecuted the church. But God, by his grace and his mercy, intervened in Paul's life. And you and I, we look at Paul, who was a complicated figure, and we marvel at the grace that God showed him to redeem him from his sin, to set him on a new course throughout life, so that then, generally speaking, you and I think about Paul and we praise God for all that he did in his life. And the same is true for you and for me. We all know that we're, we're a complicated mess. And we've done some good and we've done some bad. But thanks be to God, he is faithful to his name and he continues to use us for his good plans and purposes even when... We don't deserve it. And I've referenced the Philippians 2 several times recently, but I couldn't help but think about it in connection to this sermon. We think about the name of Jesus. And the thing that sets Jesus apart is not just that he had the name Jesus. The thing that sets Jesus apart is the way that he humbled himself and came into the world and yielded his plans and his purposes to his father's plans and purposes. And he got so low even to take on flesh and become obedient even to the point of death on a cross. And how did, how did the father respond to him? Verse 9. Therefore God has highly exalted on him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. That the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. As you go about your week this week, I do want to challenge you. 
to live in such a way that you, that you develop a good name. And not for your own popularity, not for your own position in the world. Though it will help, it will help to be wise in your actions and as it relates to your name. But ultimately so that God might be pleased to use you and your influences in the places that he places you so that others might come to see and to know and to understand the reality of the good news of all that God has done for us in the person of Jesus Christ. There's a part of faithfulness to Jesus that might give you a bad name, isn't there? That might make you less popular the more faithful you are. But I'm going to tell you, one day you're going to pass from this life. It's going to happen. Just this past week, I was looking at an old church directory. The good thing about doing that is you realize that there have been a lot of people in this church over over the years that are now gone. And one day, I would be just another picture in that directory. And they'd say, oh, Wayne Spawn, who was he? I don't know. He's kind of funny looking, but he had a great looking family. But if I yield my life and my name to make the name of Jesus known, then it won't won't matter who knew me. It won't matter if they remember me. My life will have purpose as I use all that he's entrusted to me to further his name. In the book of Revelation, there's this really beautiful um, picture that you and I, when we stand before the throne of God, you know what name's going to be? It, it's complicated and it's a lot of imagery. But it gives the picture of Jesus being across our foreheads. That ultimately you and I are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus and that is our hope. I invite you to pray with me. Lord, we thank you that you're so gracious and you're so kind to to give us wisdom for our lives. And we, we confess that we're so foolish so often and that we trade things that are so valuable and so important and so helpful for the life that you've given us in this world, for things that, that pale in comparison to it. So Lord, we pray that you would increasingly make us people who are wise We can see past the false claims and the false promises of the things that this world would offer us. And we would would believe that faithfulness and obedience and integrity, that ultimately it's, it's better. So for all of us here who've been foolish, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us the gospel hope. That no matter who we are, what we've done, through our faith in Jesus and through your steadfast love for us, Lord, you can redeem us, that you can use us to be instruments of your grace and mercy in this world. So, Lord, use us for your plans and your purposes. Help us to be humble and obedient. We thank you for your grace and your kindness, and we offer this prayer in Jesus' name.
Amen.